I want to start with a question, and it might seem quite direct, and it probably is. But where are you guys at? Are any of you sat here right now this morning feeling quite hurt and broken? Are any of you sat here this morning feeling weary and heavy laden? Any of you at home resonate with that question? And at first, as I was kind of preparing um, for this morning, I didn't really know how much this would fit with what we've heard the last two weeks. They've, they've been a little bit different to this, the theme of what we've had this term. But the more I prayed and the more I kind of just sat down with it, I really felt God kind of drop this idea of weariness in my heart and weariness connected to what I'm going to share from Ephesians later. And that, for me, really spoke from what we've heard from both Jonathan two weeks ago and Pete last week about that weariness and that brokenness and that hurt. And um, this season has been tough. Putting it very bluntly, this season has been tough for many different people for many different reasons. Some people, um, it's been an isolation. Other people, it's been just how life and lifestyle has drastically changed. For other people, they're stuck on the other side of the world from from family. I was reading a story last night of a woman who is uh, stuck in Australia. She's not seen her husband and kids for five months. She's not allowed back into the country. And just the difficulty and the pain of some of those situations. This has been a hard time. For Alice and I, COVID actually started off quite nice. We, we enjoyed lockdown, didn't we? <laughs> we enjoyed the space. We enjoyed the peace. For an introvert like me, I loved it because I didn't have to see anyone and I could, I could stay at home and go out for my own walks and, and not have to come face to face with people and have to do all the, you know, the nice pleasantries, shake hands. Oh, hi. How are you doing? Yeah. I'm fine. Thank you. Yeah. Are you? Yeah. Great. Uh, that we so often do in our wonderful British culture. But then things sort of hit the road with us. We had lots of issues with our flat, and we ended up having to move out last uh, September. We were out for nine months. It's just been thing after thing after thing. Uh, our dog died. We had family issues and situations come up. There's just been thing after thing. And we have come back into our flat enjoying the space and enjoying home, but feeling weary, feeling tired, feeling exhausted, And so I really resonate with this theme of weariness. What Jonathan shared, what Pete shared, I really resonate with that. Because I think this season has offered so much. There's been so much joy in it. There's been so much opportunity for us as the body of Christ. But there's been so much pain and hurt and weariness that I'm so aware of so many people that what they need is a six-week holiday (laughs) and they need to get away and they need to not be here. They need space. They need distance just to recuperate, to refresh, to recharge. So are you hurting, broken, or weary? Well, if you are, good. It's good that I'm hurting, weary, or broken. And you might go, why? Or that's uh, that's a little bit of a weird answer, Jack. Well, I, I think it's great because I think that means you're at the point of, I can't do this anymore, God. Less of me, more of you. I can't keep going in my strength. It's not in me that I can keep doing this. I need you. And I think it's often in these moments that it's his, where his strength can break through and they can, it, his strength can break into us, can break into our situations 
and into the, all those kind of circumstances we're involved. And it's kind of that point where, in human terms, things seem really impossible, or it's without a miracle that something can happen. And that's where we see God step in. Now, it'd be great not to get to that broken stage, and I don't actually think it always has to come with that. I think it, there is a daily choice, sometimes multiple times across a day, where we go, okay, less of me, more of you, Jesus, where we say, um, you know, I'll pick up my cross, I'll follow you, I'll follow where you lead, and we don't have to get to that point. But I think this last season has been so unprecedented, that word, for many people, that for a lot of people it's caught them unawares. That this weariness and tiredness is almost an exhaustion has crept up on them and it's sort of hit like that. And it's before you knew it, you would, it felt like you had hit a brick wall. And that, I think that's certainly what it was for Alice and I. We didn't see it happening. It happened quite slowly, but bam, we hit that wall. And it's been at that point where we've gone, Jesus, we can't, we can't do this anymore. It's, it's all in you. It's where your strength comes in. Uh, so as I said, I think we can do that without having to get to that weariness stage, but the last 18 months have been what they have been. But it's now an opportunity, I think, for us to see his presence and his strength come and enter in in ways that maybe we can only dream of, or maybe we can't even dream of right now, but he wants to come through for us. And taking this idea and understanding that as humans, living in a world filled with brokenness and plenty that can tire us out, or maybe that can factor into burnout or feelings of weariness or hurt, when we're in that place, I'm aware I can often think this, and I don't know about you, but how often do you think, how useful can I really be? How useful am I actually to you, God, right now, while I'm feeling so exhausted, while I'm feeling so weary, while I'm feeling so tired? Does God still want to speak to me when I'm in this place? And unequivocally, it is a massive yes to both those questions. You are not useless. God does still want to speak to you. We probably just need to reset and go back to him. And just because you might be in that state of feeling like that today, just like I do, it does not count you out. You're not too far gone and you're not past your sell-by date. And I really felt God land that phrase, you're not past your sell-by date with me this morning, because I feel that some of us this morning need to hear that, that you are not past your sell-by date. You might be looking at things going, I have no idea how to do any of the stuff I've got ahead of me. And that's okay. That's more than okay, because God wants to meet you in that space and will meet you in that space. He refreshes and he restores So I started this morning asking, are you hurting and are you broken within? Are you weary and are you heavy laden? And if that is you this morning, please hear this. God refreshes and God restores. He's not in the business of leaving you where you are. Maybe that kind of picture, that isolation of of feeling in that, not even a storm, but just this dreary weather, this kind of rain all around you, dark colors, dull colors. He has given you desires and passions. He's given you your dreams. And you well, may well be sat here right now reminded maybe of some of the dreams of your past, things that you've, you've dreamt in your youth. I'm not saying that any of you are old. Um, or you might be sat there uh, saying, actually, these are dreams now. They're not even just things of my past. They're dreams that, that I have now. They just feel dull or they feel like they faded or they don't feel real right now.
And I just want to echo what Pete Gilbert said last week, which is that your desires and passions, your dreams, are areas that I believe he calls you into. And for want of a better phrase, that he He leads you into. These are things he, he gives you for your life. These are maybe themes that he wants you to talk about. These are These are things to put your hands to and to do. These are dreams, desires, and passions of what we can do with our life. And he walks it through with us. He champions us. He encourages us. He applauds us on. I saw this picture of a proud dad that, you know, that parent stood at sports day cheering their kid on, applauding, cheering them on. That's what he does with us. He encourages us on in our desires, in our passions, in our dreams that he has birthed in us. And as I say, it might seem that some of them feel dull right now or faint right now. But I want to remind you of them this morning. And I want to remind you of this, that those that God calls, he equips. And those he equips, he fills with himself. And those he fills with himself, he energizes, he restores, he refreshes, and he anoints because you literally have him living in you. And his presence is energy. His presence is life-giving. He will restore and refresh you. You are a temple for Holy Spirit to come and dwell. For the very presence of the living God to come and reside. So like I said earlier, if you are hurting this morning, if you're feeling broken, if you're feeling weary and heavy laden, good. Because you're in such a prime position for a deep, soul-restoring, heart-mending, mind-cleansing encounter with God this morning. And I truly believe that. Holy Spirit is here. We've, we've entered into that space already of coming together as gathered church. Thank you, Ian and the band this morning for leading us into that space, celebrating Him and Ian reminding us He is here. Holy Spirit is here. His Spirit is with us and among us. And again, as I was preparing for this morning, praying, I just saw like at the start of Genesis, the Spirit hovering, brooding over the water. I saw him doing that in this space, in this place, just as he did over those waters. He is ready and primed to move. And so we are going to make time for that this morning. We're going to give space, and I particularly want to give space to those of you that answered yes to those questions I've given. And we're going to make space to simply receive and be with God. We're going to come to him with no agenda. We're just simply going to say, Holy Spirit, your will be done in this place. Come and do what only you can do this morning. But I also want to say we don't have to wait for ministry time later on. There's not this special ministry time. It can begin now. It begins now because he is here. He is in us. He is restoring and refreshing right now. And so as I'm I'm speaking this morning, as we go and open scripture in a second... As we are together as the body of Christ in his presence, he can begin and is moving now. You might just sense it in your, in your spirit, in your mind, in your heart, just him beginning to speak, him just beginning to love you in this space. So I said, as I said, I believe that this morning God is going to restore and refresh some of us as we head into the summer period, energized again for what it is that he has called us to for what it is that he has put inside of us, those dreams, desires, those passions, those things that he has spoken to us about, for what he has called us to, those that God calls, he equips. And so to explore this idea this morning, we're going to turn 
to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4, if you would like to uh, turn with me on your phone. And I'm going to read verses 1 through to 16. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry. For building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the ways and carried about by every wind of doctrine, but by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So there's so much in this passage I would love to touch on, but but we don't have five hours, so that's okay. Uh, I'm mainly going to concentrate on verses 11 um, through to 16, particularly actually focusing in on verse 11. And he, you know, he calls, he gives the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. And so, as I said, there's a number of things in this passage, but I want to hone in on what is sometimes termed there as the fivefold ministry. You might have heard that term before. You might not, and you might be going, "What is the fivefold?" Uh, is it leadership gifts? Is it personality traits? Is it fancy ideals? Sometimes people call them offices, offices of leadership, and there's plenty of debate about that term and plenty of debate about them. But what Ephesians is clear on is that they are part of God's calling uh, on people and on their lives, and that they are roles explicitly about building and edifying the church for the growth of believers, all the while equipping them for service. Those that God calls, he equips to blossom where they're planted. That's a phrase we've had for a few years, blossom where you are planted. Those that God calls, he equips to blossom where they are planted. God calls you and equips you to blossom where you are planted. And the fivefold ministry, as that's termed, or the apostles, prophets, teacher, evangelist, and pastor, are part of how God equips his people and his church to best serve their passions and their desires and their dreams. So what is included in the fivefold ministry? Well, I've just said, 
You've got this apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. There are five, using that term I just mentioned, offices, if you like, of leadership referred to here in Ephesians. There is debate on whether this list is exhaustive or not, and again, I'm not going to touch on that this morning. I'm also not going to touch on a number of the other theological points and viewpoints about this ministry, uh, although I do think a lot of it's really interesting discussion. What I want to focus on this morning is an overview to what these terms mean and what they look like in practice in the body of Christ. And so the fivefold ministry, I've often heard people say, oh, well, that's for, for church leaders. Yes, it is, but it's not simply for church leaders. It is for the whole body of Christ to be equipped, to be equipped to serve and fulfill the passions, desires, and dreams that God has placed in us. So me personally, I've had a number of years sort of wrestling through this. I had a number of years of being put in a box of, you are a pastor. I am not a pastor. If you want pastoral ministry, don't come to me. Um, there is a great number of, of people in this church who are very pastoral and, and who will be what you need in that moment. For me, I feel that I am a, an apostolic prophet. That might sound really lofty. I'll explain that in a second. But that doesn't mean, however, that I don't operate in evangelism, that I don't operate in teaching, and that I don't operate in pastoral ministry. It's just not my main gift. If I need to, I can do that. And, and we are called to do that. We are called to engage in all of these giftings, but we might be particularly gifted in one, maybe two areas. So, for example, I don't have to be an evangelist to partner with, to engage with evangelism. As I said, in fact, it is part of my calling in Jesus to carry the good news to others. So for some of us, that might be to our neighbourhood to our own people group. For others, it might be cross-culturally, and it might involve traveling overseas. Either way, we are called to evangelism, but we are not necessarily all called as evangelists. Similarly, we are all called as a body of Christ to care for one another. We are called to come alongside our brothers and our sisters. This is pastoral work. So although I've already said, if you want pastoral ministry, don't come to me. If you need a cuppa, I'm there on the other end of a phone. I will take you out for a coffee and cake. That is pastoral ministry. That is loving one another. It's edifying and encouraging, hearing, listening to one another. When we respond to Jesus and receive him, we are ushered into, we are, we are entered into this family of God and therefore we're, as part of family, called to love one another, to serve one another. That is pastoral ministry, called to tend and care for one another. Similarly, teachers, we might not all be called to, to stand in what you might consider a teaching role and teach, but we are all all called to tell people about Jesus. That is partly evangelism, but it's also partly opening the scriptures and teaching it. We can mention the name of Jesus, but actually that can often fall flat if we're not then teaching or opening scripture to people. That is a gift of teaching. Prophet. The word prophet can seem quite lofty or it can seem quite hard reached. 
Often the New Testament prophet simply is there to encourage and to edify one another. It's bringing encouraging words for one another. We might have heard the term words of knowledge or we might have uh, heard people talking about, you know, I've just had this sense that God is saying this. All of that is part of the prophetic ministry to edify one another, to love one another and encourage one another. It might simply be that you really feel strongly that there is a scripture that resonates for someone else. That's the prophetic ministry and called to encourage and to build one another. So you might not be a prophet, but you are called to prophetic ministry to edify, to love, to encourage one another. And then the same with the apostle. The apostle, another term for it is, is a sent one, is someone who builds, someone who, who, who goes as well. And so part of that building can look like uh, being and engaging in new ministries. Part of that building can look like engaging in things that might not even be termed as ministries, but having people come over, uh, offering your home open to people, opening that up for people to come and enter into and receive of God's goodness over a meal. You are building something. You are building something new. You might not be an apostle, but you can be apostolic in your gifting of, of starting new things, pioneering new things, of engaging with people in new ways. So we, as the body of Christ, we are called to operate in all of these. You might be sat there already going, yeah, I actually know I'm a pastor. Or, yeah, no, I know I'm a teacher. Great. Wonderful. You might be sat there going, I actually really don't know what one I'm called to. And part of me wants to then say, try all of them. Go and do it all. Go and do it all, because we are called as a body of Christ to do it all. And in doing it all, you'll probably find the one that you love a little bit more, the one that just comes a little bit more naturally. That is probably your main gifting. So as I've already said, I don't have to be a pastor to engage in pastoral ministry. I don't have to be an evangelist to engage in evangelism. And it extends beyond these five offices or these five things that are listed in Ephesians, it extends to spiritual gifts like hospitality, signs and wonders, healing, faith. We don't have to be a person of faith to operate in faith or to partner with it. Yes, I believe it's a spiritual gift that some people maybe operate in more naturally than others, but we all operate in it, for we cannot come to Christ, we cannot come to Jesus, but through faith. You have to have Engage with faith to have received Jesus. For example, we don't have to be anointed in the spiritual gift of administration to engage in administrative work. We can ask God in that moment to, to help us, to bless us with that gifting to do that task. Likewise with hospitality. Do you kind of get my point? We don't have to have that as our main gifting to engage in it. Those things are spiritual gifts and they will come more naturally for some people, but that doesn't mean we can't all operate in them. It doesn't mean we can't eagerly seek them. It doesn't mean we can't pray for them in a particular situation. We are called as the body of Christ to engage in these spiritual gifts, to engage in these, uh, if you like, gifts to the church of apostle, prophet, teacher, evangelist and pastor. And so, for example, coming back to the spiritual gift of faith, I've often heard people say, I can't do that, or, or I don't have faith. And I always come back saying, yes, you do, because you, there's no way you can be following Jesus if you don't have faith. There's no way you can be walking and following him if you haven't already engaged a level of faith in you. You just might not have the grace for or the portion of faith for that thing, and that's okay. 
That's more than okay. You can ask God for it. You can ask God to give you the faith to pray for that. I, I remember hearing a story many, many years ago now um, uh, of a lady who, she had cancer in the side of her face. And and the whole church at the time said they didn't they didn't have faith to see her heal. But what they did have faith for was for the next hospital, hospital report to come back positive. So that's what they prayed for. What happens? The next hospital report comes back positive. It encourages them. It builds them up. So their faith raises. So they get, actually, next time, we, we, we feel we can pray for that to have gone, like the cancer to have gone down. What happens in the next report? The cancer's gone down. Every single time they were encouraged and edified in their faith. Pray for the faith you've been given for. Pray in part for what it is that you have in that moment for that situation. It may simply be go, praying, God, I don't know what to do in this situation. Lead me. It might be saying, I don't have faith for this. Give me the faith. That's okay. We are engaging in that spiritual gift. So one final example before I bring us in to wrap up. You have other roles in scripture that are mentioned. One, for example, being an elder or, or a church leader. And with that calling comes with it also a requirement And that requirement is a criteria to teach. You can read that in Titus 1, verse 9. And it says this, He must have a firm grasp, this is the elder, the church leader, of the trustworthy message that he has been taught. This will enable him to both encourage others with healthy teachings and provide convincing answers to those who oppose his message. So with the calling of an elder or a church leader, carries with it this call to teach. But it's not necessarily their primary gifting. It's not necessarily the thing that they operate in the most, or they do often, but he equips those he calls. And those he calls, he engages with, he partners with to, to, to do the things. He resources them to do the things that he's called them to. And now that doesn't necessitate having to have qualifications. It doesn't also mean um, that you know, you've got to have all the boxes ticked, but what it does mean is you're just an open, ready heart to say yes and do what God has called you to, to do, to, to develop and grow into that. So for example, this, this, this example of being a church leader, it's part of the calling that comes with it, and he equips those to teach, and then he develops that in those people. He, he resources them, he teaches them, he leads them in that gifting. How might this look? Well, for me, uh, it's, regularly reading. I love reading and that's how I absorb a lot of information. Learning, kind of delving into topics and allowing Holy Spirit to speak and to guide and to teach me so that material lands in me and that I can kind of grasp that concept and hopefully then deliver it. And often I am delivering it necessarily in this context, but that doesn't mean this is the only place that teaching matters. This doesn't mean this is the only place that teaching also happens. Teaching can be one-on-one over a coffee and just opening something, talking about something, offering ideas to someone. It can be in small groups. It can be in organic conversations. But what it is, is rooted upon Jesus and in his church. So that is part of the mark of a church leader. And you can see that throughout the New Testament. You see it operating with the 12 apostles who are operating the building of the church, the building of the kingdom. You have Paul called as an apostle doing the same. They carry that apostolic anointing and calling and their ministry is equivalent. 
but they're also aware of where they are not called and resource the church and resource the other places with the giftings that they don't have. So, for example, we see um, we see them appoint and anoint James to lead the church in Jerusalem to be that pastor teacher or that that teaching pastor for the church in Jerusalem. Does that mean that any of the twelve couldn't have done that? No, I think they probably could have, but they recognised what was their gifting. They they had the capacity for that. They operated in that, and they resourced other people. They equipped other people to to best serve and operate in the roles that they were called to. So putting it another way, people were positioned where they were best to operate in their calling from God. Those God calls, he equips to blossom where they are planted. So just as I kind of bring this to close, I also want to just finish by saying I don't think that means we don't struggle. I don't think that means we don't find difficulties in those areas that we have the passion and the desire and the dreams for. We often do come come up against struggles. We often do find it difficult at times. We often do probably go, I don't have the energy for this today. And that's fine. We see that again and again in the New Testament too. But what we also see is this fresh filling of Holy Spirit. We see this going back to God for refreshing and restoring. Bring it back to my question earlier. They continued in their calling as disciples of Jesus, children of faith and children of God, empowered by the indwelling of Holy Spirit. And it was Holy Spirit with them, God's presence with them, and a constant refreshing of that, a constant filling of his presence that enabled them and equipped them to do what it was that he had called them to do. Those God calls, he equips. We are all called, therefore we will all be equipped. So as I said, I started by asking a question and I want to then finish by asking another, which is this. How can we best steward the work of God in our life? And how can we best steward the calling of God on our life? If we're feeling weary and tired this morning, the best way is to come to him. To come and dwell in his presence, letting him refresh you and fill you again with his spirit. But for some of you today, you might not have answered yes to that question earlier on. Are you feeling weary or tired? You might have said, actually, no, I'm... I'm feeling quite okay. I'm feeling energized. That's great. So for you, it might be earnestly praying for uh, for one of the spiritual gifts. It might be uh, receiving a fresh baptism today to be uh, be equipped again in the calling that you, you, you feel led to. It might be you know that God has placed a particular household on your heart. So it's praying, God, fill me with your, your spirit. Fill me with your presence to be best equipped to love them, to be best equipped to share you with them and to be best equipped in the calling that you have given me to minister to them. Whatever it might be for you this morning, this is now where we want to come to in him. No agenda, just simply saying, God, come and do what only you can do. And that is what we're going to make space and time for. What I want to do this morning is just encourage you, if you will stand with me if you're able to, Will you just close your eyes if you're comfortable doing so? Hold out your hands. And if you are one of those people that answered yes to that question, are you weary or tired? I just want to ask you to turn your hand over. So one of the things that I really felt God saying to me in this process was just like, you're carrying so many things you're not called to carry. 
you're carrying the burden of this stuff, you're heavy laden, let go. And so I just want to ask you this morning, if you feel able to and, and ready to, if you're, if you're feeling weary, turn your hands over and just pray, God, I let go. I release this burden. I don't want to carry it anymore. Come and fill me again. Holy Spirit, come. Thank you, Jesus.